Hello and welcome back to Making Connections, our podcast series providing both informal and interactive discussions with industry leaders on the IT challenges and the opportunities that face organisations today. I'm your host, Nick Lazell, and today I'm joined by, firstly, Emma Fryer. Hi, Nick. Delighted to be here. I'm Emma Fryer and I am a partner in the technology team at ERM. And ERM is the world's largest pure play sustainability consultancy. Um, but actually, before that, I spent uh, over a decade working for Tech UK, uh, providing a collective voice for data centre operators in matters of policy, compliance, reputation. So I've been in the sector for a while. Delighted to have you here with us today, Emma. And also we're joined by a, a second guest, Mark Pestridge. Hi, Nick. Hi, Emma. My name is Mark Pestridge. I am Senior Director for Customer Experience at Telehouse, so effectively responsible for the end-to-end customer journey with ourselves from the moment they touch us, whether that's through the website, all the way through their journey and life cycle with us. So uh, glad to be here today. Looking forward to the discussion, Nick. Fantastic to have you here, Mark. Today, we're going to discuss what lies ahead for UK enterprises and data centre operators in 2023 and beyond. The energy crisis is the latest in a series of challenges for UK business. Companies are having to adjust their sustainability plans and their broader business strategies to accommodate increased spending and prevent downtime, but also to take advantage of new technology. Telehouse recently launched the Climate Crunch Research Report. This was at the end of last year. We were trying to understand the intersecting threats of climate change, the economic pressures and the energy crisis. We're aware that some businesses are yet to achieve their sustainability goals, as over a third haven't made any progress on their objectives or their defined targets. So we're going to touch uh, firstly on sustainability. And and Emma, do you think organisations are going to be starting to make better progress through this year and beyond? Yes, I certainly do. They're going to have to. 2030 is not far away and suddenly it's 2023 and they've got to get on with it. Um, And they obviously have had some rather serious preoccupations over the last couple of years. So I can understand why minds might be turning to it a bit late. But there's so many drivers for this, you know, customer demand, investor requirements, regulatory requirements. They're all pushing in the same direction. So I think we're going to see an acceleration in progress on this for sure. And do we think organisations have actually defined their sustainability objectives? I think it's a really mixed picture. I think some are ahead. I think some will have defined where they want to be, but they won't have thought about how to get there. So they might have set a target or they might have thought about a target. They need to set that formally. And then they need to work out how they're going to achieve that. And they need to implement a strategy and they need to start implementing processes in order to do that. So there's a long way to go. And I think there's a very, very mixed picture in terms of how prepared businesses are for this. Yeah, I fully agree, Emma. I think I was at a conference a couple of weeks ago, had a number of meetings with a number of fairly large organizations and, and the overwhelming response around sustainability was that, oh my goodness, we're, we're kind of two thirds into this decade. We're now 2023, 2030 is not far away. So whilst we might have plans in place, it's the execution of those plans that is going to come front and center and be accelerated during the course of 2023 and beyond. And the driver behind that is that they are being asked by their customers for a lot more information, not just our existing customers, but customers that are potentially going to do ongoing business with them. And we at Telehouse, we're seeing that as well. The volume of information we need to provide in terms of our sustainability targets and when we're going to achieve them to our existing customers and to any potential new projects is increasing incrementally each year. So we're definitely seeing a dynamic that's accelerating the adoption and drive out of all of these goals. Thanks, Mark. So Emma, Progress is happening. Uh, Businesses are considering it. Do we think policy and regulation is going to be a contributor to the acceleration of the activity that businesses do around the whole sustainability area? 
We absolutely do think that, yes. And I would say of the many strong drivers towards sustainability, which include things like public perception, as we talked about customer demand, investor requirements, I'd say policy and regulation is the biggest driver at the moment, certainly in Europe. So we're seeing a whole raft of new instruments coming out under the Green Deal, very highly coordinated and also very ambitious. And we're seeing existing instruments being revised under those provisions um, so that the scope has increased, the ambition has increased. So actually a whole of things to contend with. And what they're asking for in general is much greater transparency of operations, much greater scrutiny of the supply chain and the value chain, greater efficiency, greater energy and carbon productivity, greater use of renewables across the board. It's the most ambitious set of policies I've ever seen in terms of policy development. And Mark, how does that manifest itself for Telehouse, for data centre operators? Just to back up what Emma's saying, I think that the whole changing in the regulatory landscape is really a key area of focus for most of our customers. In terms of scope one and scope two, I think customers are really clear on what they're trying to do. I think scope three, where people are really challenged at the moment. And referring back to the climate crunch report that you mentioned earlier, Nick, we saw that only 20% of our customers have got plans in place for their scope through emissions, which is a real concern, a real, real worry. And I think what we're going to see during the course of 2023 and beyond is customers developing plans where they can really drive out detailed end-to-end reporting about what they do across the whole of the value chain. And obviously, we at Telehouse is a data center operator, so we're going to be key in providing that information to our customers, but it's also key in what we get from our suppliers in terms of providing that end-to-end visibility, that transparency that Emma talked about as well. So a huge, huge step is going to be need to made in Scope 3 over the course of this year and, and into 24 and 25. And Emma, do you think that translates into an opportunity for operators and the regulatory pressures that are coming along onto the operators can and, and the regulatory pressures that, that end customers face? Is that, is that an opportunity to work smarter together or is there an expectation on operators that they deal with the regulatory pressure or is the, the weight of, of regulatory pressure onto the consumer of the service? I think the bulk of the pressure is on the operator. It's always necessary to have a conversation. I mean, when we ran the climate change agreement, where we saw the best efficiency gains under that was when the data center provider, the co-location provider, talked to the customer. Because quite often your incentives are not aligned within a data center environment because of the complexity of that environment. So certainly talking to the customer and ensuring that your interests are aligned in this space is, I think, critical. But it's going to affect everybody. I do think there were a lot of the responsibilities being pushed down the supply chain. And therefore, it's actually a very good opportunity for operators who can provide an efficient outsource service to do so. We're also seeing at the moment a much greater requirement for transparency in sort of small on-premise facilities. And I think that might reveal some very interesting variations in operational performance. I think perhaps what I'd say politely, (laughs) (laughs) I suspect there's a very varied picture of how efficient those are. We know that some of them are very inefficient and actually getting that information, plugging a lot of the data gaps are the real problem for many people. Um, will help. And also, I think that the sector can help with companies with skills gaps as well. Yes, I think from my perspective, it it does seem like there is an opportunity, obviously, as operators of data centers, we're a trusted partner for a lot of our customers. And part of that trusted partner role should be to advise and guide consumers of the service to a certain degree to navigate through some of the pressures that, that are coming today. Mark, any thoughts? I fully agree. One of the big challenges we face is there are enough in the talent pool to bring people into the roles to help us and our customers achieve all the goals that need to do. It's it's obviously a fairly new kind of area of expertise, but it's also an ever-evolving, fast-changing, new regulatory environment that people need to be aware of. So 
having that talent pool that has the ability to step into these roles and provide the expertise that we need for the end-to-end process is, is going to be really important. I think there are a lot of people who understand that what we're doing is really important and we have a, an obligation to make sure we drive down our energy usage, but it's actually having the technical skills to be able to put that in place that's going to be a real opportunity and challenge for, for individuals and organizations. The people that get that right and get the right people driving that right across the supply chain is going to be the ones that succeed, I think. And I think that uh, from a technology perspective or, or the right technical skills, having an understanding of the, for example, the regulatory landscape, having understanding of the technical landscape, the, these two things seems to me need to work together to be able to progress as quickly as possible or to be able to cope with uh, the progression of the, of the standards and the regulations and the advance in technology. Absolutely. Yeah, because it's not just to do with building new facilities. You know, you can expand a facility and then suddenly find you're under a new, you're obliged the industrial emissions directive or, you know, the emissions trading scheme, which, you know, so you can easily find yourself suddenly captured by things because of the nature that data centers can expand within an individual facility. Um, so it's not just the new regulations applying to new development, it, it will affect existing as well. Thanks, Emma. And moving slightly towards the technology aspect in terms of trends for this year and beyond, Mark, what are your thoughts on the kind of advancements that we'd like to see in technology this year? I think specifically for the data center industry, we're seeing a big move towards what we call liquid cooling. From a customer's point of view, they're looking to drive more energy into each of the racks that they take with us, particularly in certain verticals such as life sciences, such as media, such as the cloud providers. We're looking at double or treble the amount of energy they need in each rack to be efficient as they were before. So we're seeing a, a drive towards liquid cooling, which enables people to put more high density racks in a suite. And as an operator, are looking at how, how we can best do that. So whether we provide a standard solution, which will enable individual customers to come in and, and leverage that, or we work with customers who are looking for entire suites or entire floors on how it best would work for them. I think that's actually going to be key moving forward. And what that does is that helps drive the energy efficiency of the building or more specifically means that we're not consuming as much energy into that space. So that's very good from our carbon footprint perspective. But it also means that we're using less real estate as well. And as we we look across the key markets, certainly in Europe and the US and Asia, actually finding the real estate to build more buildings is really challenging. So if we can repurpose some existing data centers, and we do have some data centers in Europe that are 30 years plus, and we can refurbish them to take on liquid cooling, which enables customers to to drive high density into those suites, I think that's going to be a, a real driver. And again, back to the conference that I was at last week, there's a lot of talk about how customers could best leverage liquid cooling to drive efficiencies, effectiveness, and, uh, and obviously drive cost out of the business as well. Thanks, Mark. And from a regulatory perspective, I guess, Emma, is technology an enabler for meeting some of the, the regulations that are coming in? Are regulations driving the technology? How do we, from a data center kind of industry perspective? Yes, I think Interestingly, uh, the regulations we're seeing, and including self-regulation and the German energy efficiency proposals, which we're shortly to see, they are setting targets in terms of PUE. So they'll set PUE threshold. Now, you, you know, if you're going to use AI or machine learning in the data center environment, that's going to improve your PUE. But there are slight challenges with liquid cooling, because obviously that reduces the energy consumption on the IT hardware side. And so it won't be adequately reflected in PUE. So we need to make sure we've got the right metrics in place, or we've adapted the metrics slightly to accommodate the fact that these solutions will reduce the 
energy consumption overall and enable a much greater, you know, all sorts of, of, of efficiency improvements, as well as produce most likely a more usable waste heat product, which is another factor that's very popular among policymakers. But we need to be able to reflect that in our efficiency metrics. And I don't think we quite are able to do that at the moment. Okay, thanks. And Mark, any other technology areas that you see advancing this year around the IT infrastructure space? Yeah, Emma's just touched on it, really. I think we, we're we seeing AI really coming to the fore in terms of how you can drive more efficiency into rooms or suites on an individual basis to make sure that you're minimizing the, the amount of cooling dependent on the need in each individual suite. So we're seeing a big use of AI, which you can monitor on a real-time basis, and you can make changes to the way that you're running your plant to be as efficient and as effective as possible. So I think that's going to continue to grow and evolve and develop over the course of 2023 and beyond. Uh, and I guess the other key area we're seeing is around robotics, which I know has been around for a couple of years now, but we're seeing more and more interest in how we can use robotics to perhaps take away some of the more mundane, repetitive work that is required. What it also does is it enhances the, the customer experience because it speeds up that whole process. But also from a, an employee perspective, it frees up employees to go and do some of the more interesting or challenging or development kind of activities that they've been able, unable to do because they've been just doing these repetitive tasks. And certainly from things like a security perspective, really see it one, I will see an uptick in, in things like robotics over the course of the next 12, 24, 36 months. And maybe some of the uh, advantages of uh, implementing something like robotics uh, that can deal with those repetitive tasks in some way enables or frees up human resource or people to then be start to address that skills gap. Skills gap is something that I think the rapid progress in technology and requirements around sustainability and all of these things, the skills gap is a key issue here, I think. Absolutely. I think that one of the key things that we look at on a regular basis is um, how do we attract and how do we develop and retain talent within our industry? And I think if you can free up some of the, uh, as I say, the more mundane or the more repetitive tasks to enable people to get involved with projects and challenges that really stimulate and stretch them. I think that's going to be really important. And I think there is a talent shortage in our business. And I think we need to make our industry certainly a more appealing to younger people to come in and help drive the industry forward, also challenge the way that we do things today as well. And if we can use technology to take away some of the repetitive tasks, then we will be able to bring that talent into the business, more importantly, retain and develop it as well. Thank you. And considering new technology and deployment around data center, I think it's imperative that organizations are rethinking how their IT infrastructure is deployed or or where it's hosted, how it's hosted. And obviously, with the continued shift towards hybrid or public cloud or colo, it's clear that it may address a number of challenges around agility and skills gap, coping with the regulatory changes that are coming down the line. And in terms of colo providers, from what you've said, Mark and, and Emma, from a provider and operator perspective, we're going to need to look very closely at how we cope with the higher densities that are going to be required, the more efficiency in the infrastructure that's expected from customers from regulatory authorities. And it points towards this continuing trend for organizations to outsource their infrastructure. Again, Emma touched on some of the smaller facilities, maybe on-prem facilities. Um, Emma, you mentioned that smaller data centers might fall under an umbrella or, or smaller computer rooms, as we would have called them, may fall under a, an umbrella or, or a regulation that may be in the pipeline. That's correct, yes. The 
Energy Efficiency Directive, currently in draft and being hotly debated (laughs) with the industry, wants to ensure there's transparency right across the sector and is including data centres down to 100 kilowatts to be captured. And they will need to measure and report um, their energy use. And that may be the first time for some because the pattern of reporting some on-premise facilities, absolutely essential, very well run. Many are not. And I think this would be a really useful way of finding out what's really going on under those bonnets. And then I suspect that. That might drive a bit of action. And I certainly think that um, it makes a lot of sense in terms of, you know, if, if you can't get those economies of scale in-house. Um, the other thing, you know, I suspect in terms of outsourcing is that most of the regulatory requirements I'm seeing are aimed at the infrastructure. And that's worth bearing in mind because if you've got to keep up with all those, that's quite a challenge. We just touched on skills gap, obviously, and for an organisation that financial organization or, or, or an organization that develops applications, the need for those organizations to have skills in-house that can run a data center environment efficiently and, and to meet all of the requirements is going to be a difficult challenge, I think. Are there any reasons to not outsource your data center or your computer? It seems to me, just thinking aloud from our conversation, that running your on-premise computer room or all data center environment could be coming harder and harder, hasn't it? I'd say from a resilience point of view, an energy efficiency and a cost point of view, those are the three drivers for outsourcing, but there will be other reasons. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure Mark, you'd be able to comment more on that, but I can, there are three drivers for moving. There must be drivers for staying. (laughs) Definitely. I think from our perspective, we are seeing an uptick in demand, which would seem to suggest that more companies are considering outsourcing. I think, as as Emma rightly says, that the reason for doing that, either to drive cost out of the business, to improve your revenue lines, but also to hit all your sustainability and regulatory requirements. So I think there are those three. But at the moment where we were in an energy crisis, I think having surety of energy supply, making sure that you can provide services 24 by 7, I think is important. And if you outsource that, it's really important. I don't think that's a long-term goal, though, for outsourcing. I think, you know, we'll be in this crisis, as it's called, for maybe 18 months, two years. But after that, uh, we should be fairly back to normal. But that surety of supply is, is really important. Again, we've talked about skill shortage. I think outsourcing your IT infrastructure means that you're outsourcing that problem as well so that you don't have to recruit talent into your business from an IT perspective. Uh, and you can allow your IT service provider or a data center operator to provide that service for you. And you can focus on what is your core business or what you're good at. So really focus on that. I think also in terms of sustainability, you can make sure that your infrastructure is in a, a building that is allowed to drive efficiencies across and improve those efficiencies on a regular basis. Again, helps you with focusing on your core business. So I think, as, as Emma says, there are many reasons to outsource. We're seeing an uptick in demand. There are definitely reasons for, for staying in-house as well. But again, with post-COVID, as we move to more and more flexible working environment where we want to attract new talent, people do not expect to come into the office every day. So making sure your IT infrastructure is in an environment where you can rely on that support 20 four by seven, I think is really important. Again, that solves one of those issues. And Emma, do you think there's a little bit of apprehension from businesses going forwards into the rest of this year and moving into the future about being able to cope with some of the, I think an earlier comment was around the tsunami of regulation. There must be some apprehension that they don't have the capability maybe in-house to deal with it. That's absolutely true because their skill is running a data center 
not necessarily working at horizon scanning of what could possibly be coming down the track for European regulation. So actually, we're getting a lot of demands for those. I call it regulatory road mapping. So looking, doing a bit of a SWOT analysis. What have we got to do first? Where do we need to inter? You know, we might need to intervene in the policy process because things are still live. What's going to affect us first? What are the compliance burdens for these things? What are the the reputational risks? What are the penalties? What might be you know the non regulatory penalties be in terms of something that meant you couldn't run your generators or you couldn't buy the generators you need in time to meet a, a build deadline for a client, those kind of things, I th- would imagine are keeping everyone very much awake at night. Thanks very much, Emma. And I guess in conclusion, I think the topics we've discussed today, the trends that we're looking at, sustainability, ongoing climate challenge, the security of energy, the regulatory landscape ever developing puts an onus on companies to really think this year and about where they are in that journey along the road of the uh, their sustainability goals. But I think technology also gives us an opportunity and business is an opportunity. And it seems that combination of the energy and sustainability challenges, the regulatory challenges, the opportunities that technology can give leads us towards a real strong consideration for where a business's IT infrastructure is hosted, how it's hosted. Thanks very much, Emma and and Mark. It's been a fantastic discussion today. Emma, great to see you. Thanks so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, thank you, Nick. It's been great. Really enjoyed it. So thank you very much. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Making Connections podcast from Telehouse. And I hope you'll join us for the next episode soon. (laughs) 